Hello everyone, this is Rabbi Michael Hatton, and welcome to TanakhStudy.com. Today's parsha, verses 10 to 20 of chapter 21, continues the description of the march of Bnei Israel towards the land. Skirting Edomite territory, they head southeastwards into the desert lands of the Arava. They then head northwards along the eastern flank of Edom. From Ovot, they travel to Iyei Ha'avarim, and from there to Nachal Zered. Verse 10 relates, Vayisu b'nei Yisrael vayachanu be'ovot. B'nei Yisrael traveled, and they encamped at Ovot. Vayisu me'ovot. Vayachanu bi'iyei ha'avarim, b'amidbar asher al pnei Moav, mimizrach ha'shamesh. They traveled from Ovot, and they encamped at Iyei ha'avarim, in the wilderness, next to Moav, to the east. Misham nasa'u, vayachanu b'nachal zared. From there they traveled, and they encamped at Nachal Zered. Nachal Zered is identified by many modern commentaries with Wadi Al-Khasa. It is a stream bed that flows into the southern end of the Dead Sea. It's important to realize that landscape features in a dry region are quite different than they are in a region with more rainfall. Here, especially in the region of the Dead Sea, many streams are not perennial. They only flow during the rainy season. Otherwise, the stream bed is dry. The Hebrew word nachal generally describes this type of a landscape feature. It is a dry stream bed, which during the rainy season could fill with water, sometimes quite suddenly. Nachal is in contrast to a nahar, which flows all the time. In an otherwise topographically monotonous landscape, a nachal serves as an important natural boundary marker. Hence the connection between the word nachal and the word nachala. Nachala indicating a clearly delineated possession of land. A nachala is perhaps bounded by nechalim, by dry stream beds, which help define it. We continue with Pasuk Yud Gimel. Misham nasa'u vayachanu me'ever arnon asher bamidbar hayotze migvul ha'emori Ki Arnon Gvul Moav, Bain Moav, Uvein Haemori. From there they traveled, and they encamped against Arnon, which is in the wilderness that goes out from the Amorite border. Because Arnon is the border of Moav, between Moav and the Amorites. The Arnon River 
is a much larger waterway than the Nikhalim that feed it. And it is located on the eastern shores of the Dead Sea, about midway along its length. According to our Psukim, it marks the boundary between the land of Moab to the south and the Amorites to the north. But as the next verse seems to indicate, this border between Moab and the Amorites was disputed. Pasuk Yudalid, verse 14. This verse presents us with many intriguing details. It quotes the otherwise unknown, unknown Sefer Milchamot Hashem and mentions place names or events in concise and cryptic words. The translation yields Therefore it was said in the book of the wars of the Lord, Milchamot Hashem, Vahev Besufa, and the stream beds of Arnon. Ibn Ezra remarks that Sefer Milchamot Hashem, the book of the wars of the Lord, was not a biblical book. Ibn Ezra remarks on verse 14, Sefer haya bifnei atzmo, v'sham katuv milchamot Hashem ba'avur yireav. This was a self-contained work, and in it were related the wars that God fought on behalf of those that revere him. Ibn Ezra continues that this book was in all probability dating from the days of Avraham. And he concludes by, by, by stating that many books, Sfarim Rabim Avdu, Ve'einam Nimtsaim Etzlenu, many books that are quoted in the Hebrew Bible have been lost and are no longer extant with us. For instance, the words of Natan the prophet mentioned in Divrei Hayamim 1, chapter 29, the words of Ido the prophet, mentioned in Divrei Hayamim 2, chapter 12, the chronicles of the kings of Israel, Divrei Hayamim Lemalchei Yisrael, mentioned in Kings 1, chapter 14, and many other places in the book, and the songs of Solomon and his Proverbs, according to Kings 1, chapter 5, Shlomo authored many, many songs and many, many Proverbs, much more than are contained in our current Sefer Mishlei, or Book of Proverbs. In effect, Ibn Ezra indicates that we have a misconception. Sometimes we think that the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, is the complete literary output of ancient Israel. But this is, in fact, a mistaken notion. 
The Tanakh represents a small part of the literary tradition of ancient Israel. What makes the Tanakh unique is that it is the literature that, were that was preserved. And as the Gemara in Masechet Megillah states, the reason why the books of the Tanakh were preserved while so many other books were lost is because the Jewish people understood that the books of the Tanakh were written HaKodesh, with divine inspiration, with divine spirit. Or as the Gemara puts it, Nivu'ah, any prophecy or section that was needed for posterity was recorded and preserved. Other texts that may have been only needed for a particular time and a particular place were not necessarily preserved. And so in our Pasuk, we have a reference to Sefer Milchamot Hashem, indicating the existence of another book that was not incorporated into the Tanakh. And this other book, for all intents and purposes, was lost, except for the small snippets of verses which are preserved in our Parsha. According to the Ibn Ezra, Sefer Milchamot Hashem was a book authored by Israelites. He understands that it dated from the time of Avraham. Of course, Avraham fights in Breshit Perik Genesis chapter 14, the first war recorded in Israelite history as he beats back the invading kings from the east and saves his nephew Lot from the fray. For Ibn Ezra, the strange, the strange quote from Sefer Milchamot Hashem, et vahev besufa ve'et hanechalim arnon, vahev in sufa, and the stream beds of arnon, are all references to locations. Vahev, says Ibn Ezra, is not an Israelite word, it's not a Hebrew word, because it's very rare in Hebrew for words to begin with a vav. The vav is, of course, a conjunction. And it would be otherwise confusing to begin words with a vav, with one glaring exception in the Hebrew Bible, which is the word vav. Recall that in the construction of the tabernacle, the various pillars had what are called vavim. They are referenced in Shmot chapter 27, verse 10. The vavim are the hooks that held up the curtains. But other than that word, there are no others in the Hebrew Bible, nouns that is, that begin with a vav. So Ibn Ezra understands vahev besufa therefore must be a place name and as he puts it, sof davar kol eile shemot mekomot. In the end, all of these places that are mentioned in this verse and in the next 
are simply place names. The next verse continues, Ve'eshed ha'nechalim asher nata l'shevet ar ve'nish'an l'gvul moav and the pouring out of the stream beds which is over against the dwelling of Ar and leans on the border of Moab. For Ibn Ezra, these place names describe the final stations as the people of Israel make their journey to the outskirts of the land of Canaan. Those place names therefore are, if we are to string them all together, the Wadi of Zered, the area of Arnon, Vahev, Sufa, the pouring out of the stream beds, the place name Ar, and the border of Moab. The commentary of the Ibn Ezra stands in contrast to that of the Ramban. The Ramban sees Sefer Milchamot Hashem as a non-Israelite composition. Like Ibn Ezra, however, it does describe great wars and conquests. Ramban relates that in those generations there were wise men who would record the events of the great wars. So it is, he says, in all generations people record the great wars. And the authors of those books were known as Moshlim. Moshlim not as a ruler a Moshel, but Moshlim those that compose Mishalim, or parables, or texts. Shinosim bahem Mishalim umelitzot, that in the course of their writing, they write in verse, the great victories which in their eyes they ascribe to God because truly they are his victories. In particular, the Ramban understands that what is actually being referred to in our verse is a great military victory, but it has nothing to do with the Israelites. It has to do with the Amorite king Sichon, and it has to do with the people of Moab. And what we will discover shortly in our reading in the Torah, which will be pivotal, is that Sichon, the Amorite king, who hailed from the northern part of the region, the area of what we call today Syria, marched southwards and conquered territory on the eastern side of the Jordan River associated with the Ammonites and with the Moabites. Ramban relates that in Sefer Milchamot Hashem we have a record in verse of that victory. Ramban says that the power of Sichon and his victory against Moab was wondrous in the eyes of the authors of Sefer Milchamot Hashem, and therefore they recorded it. The Amrubah Militzot, and when they recorded it, they did so in poetic language. And that's the meaning 
of the otherwise inexplicable phrase et vahev besufa ve'et hanechalim arnon. As Ramban understands it, Sufa here is not a place name, but it means what it still means in modern Hebrew, a great storm. Therefore, as the Ramban understands it, Vahev, a Moabite stronghold, Bisufa, was taken by storm as Sichon's troops approached and overpowered the Ammonites. As for the stream beds that flow into the Arnon, all of them were, de were destroyed by God in storm and in whirlwind. Because Sichon attacked suddenly and overwhelmed them. Therefore, for the Ramban, it is recorded the Sefer Milchamot Hashem in the book of the Wars of the Lord? What is recorded? Sichon's great victory against the Moabites. He swept down upon them like a storm and defeated them suddenly. Vahev was taken by storm, as were all of the Moabite towns on the area of the Jordan River. While the events associated with Sichon's victory over the Moabites would not seem to be particularly relevant to the story of B'nai Israel and the Torah, the Ramban indicates that what the Torah is actually telling us is that by, by defeating the Moabites, Sichon set the stage for the Israelite conquest of the Transjordan of the eastern side of the Arden, where the two and a half tribes would eventually settle. This is of course related later in Sefer Bimidbar. The reason why we are told that Sichon conquered the territory from Moab and the people of Israel conquered it from him is to indicate that the people of Israel were permitted to retain it. In Sefer Devarim, chapter 2, the people of Israel are told quite explicitly that they are not to seize the territory of Moab or of Ammon, since these are our distant kin, the descendants of Lot. How could it be then that the Israelites would take territory on the eastern side of the Arden associated with these two kingdoms? And the answer, as the Gemara in Masechet Gitin puts it, Amon Umoav Toharu Bisichon. The territory of Amon and Moav was made permissible because Sichon conquered it from them. And therefore, when the people of Israel are forced to engage Sichon in battle and they defeat him, they essentially seize territory from him and not territory from Ammon and Moab.
we continue with verse number 15. Ve'eshed ha'nechalim asher nata l'shevet ar v'nish'an l'gvul mo'av The pouring out of the stream beds that are over against the dwelling of Ar and opposite the border of Moab. Ar is a known Moabite city on the banks of the Arnon. And this pasuk therefore continues to discuss the geography of the Amorite conquest. These places of Moabite territory were seized by the Amorites. And the people of Israel eventually will seize it from them. In short, these verses describe the travels of Bnei Israel as they skirt Moabite territory in order to enter the land of Canaan from the eastern side of the Arden. The next section introduces more intriguing facts. Pasuk Tetzayin, verse 16. Umisham be'era, be'era. Hi ha'be'er asher amar Adunai le'moshe esofet ha'am ve'etna lahem ma'im. From there to be'er, a well. That is the well concerning which God said to Moshe, gather the people so that I might give them water. This place name Be'er is related to the episode of securing water for the people. And it is followed up by the next verse. Az yashir Yisrael tashira hazot ali ve'er enula. Then the people of Israel sang this song. Rise up well, so they said to it. Be'er chafaru ha-sarim, karu ha-nidivei ha-am, bimchokek b'mish'anotam, u'mimidbar matana. The well was dug by the officers. It was dug out by those among the people that were generous, with their staff, with their rod, and from midbar to matana. This verse, Az Yashir Yisrael Tashira Hazot, recalls, of course, the triumphant song at Yamsuf at the Sea of Reeds in Sefer Shmot, chapter 15. Recall that at the Sea of Reeds at Yamsuf, the Egyptian chariots were overwhelmed, the Egyptian army was defeated, and the people of Israel emerged victorious. That song, a song of victory over enemies, a song of overt divine intervention, and a song that concluded with hopes for future entry into the land, is paralleled by the more modest song recorded in our verse. Here the song of the well, Shirat Be'er, also anticipates Israelite victory. It also implies divine intervention. For God had said to Moshe, gather the people so that I might give them water. And it also hopes for future entry into the land of Canaan. The difference is, of course, 
that in the song at Yamsuf, Moshe was instrumental. Az yashir Moshe Yisrael hazot. Here it seems, the singing has been taken over by the people of Israel exclusively. Az yashir Yisrael hazot. Another indication of the initiative that they are taking on as they approach the land. According to Rashi, the Be'er, the well being referred to, is the same well that gave water to the people during the 40 years of the wilderness wanderings, the well that the rabbis refer to as Be'er Miriam. According to the Chizkuni, on the other hand, the well being referred to is the well at Mei Merivah, the waters of strife, when Moshe struck the rock and was condemned to perish in the wilderness. The Chizkuni says, truthfully, the people of Israel did sing a song of thanks at that time when Moshe struck the rock and their thirst was relieved. But because Moshe and Aharon were punished as a result of that episode, the Torah did not record a song of triumph at that time which would have been completely out of place. It's only now that the people of Israel are on a victory march to the land that the song sung earlier is now mentioned. The Ramban offers a compromise view. As he understands it, this, the well being referred to is both the well that accompanied the people during the wilderness wanderings, as well as a new source of water which is now revealed during the final leg of their journey. After all, bear in mind that they are now navigating through very dry and inhospitable territory, the southern end of the Dead Sea and its eastern side as they make their way through the Transjordan. It was especially needed then for the well to be provided and this becomes an occasion for their song. As Ramban understands it, the next verse which says, Umi midbar matana, umi matana nachaliel, umi nachaliel bamot, the concluding words of verse 18, from midbar they came to matana, and from matana to nachaliel, and from nachaliel to bamot, and all of these are place names. The section concludes, Umi Bamot, Hagai Asher Bistemawav Rosh Hapiska Vinishkafa Alpneha Yeshimon. Verse 20. From the high places, the valley which is in the fields of Moav, at the top of the peak, and looks out over the wilderness. These final place names record the stations of the people as they approach the land. And by all accounts, Bnei Israel are located now at the outskirts of Moabite territory, very close to their destination. The end of verse 18, which spoke about Umin Midbar Matana, may be referring to place name called Matana, which is then referred to in verse 19 again, and from Matana to Nachaliel, 
and from Nachaliel to Bamot, perhaps they're all place names. Or perhaps Matana refers to the gift of water, because a Matana is a gift. In which case, we would read it in the following way. The well that was dug by the officers and dug by those who were leaders of the people with their staff and with their rod provided a gift in the wilderness, umimidbar matana, a gift of water. And from that gift of water in the wilderness, the people continued their journey to Nachaliel and from Nachaliel to Bamot. And from Bamot, they continued until they reached Sedemoav. Perhaps the place name Matana is so called because of the gift of water. We might therefore conclude by saying, in this particular vignette, the people of Israel receive water in an inhospitable wilderness. They sing to God a song of gratitude and they acknowledge the fact that God has given them a precious gift. All of this, of course, stands in glaring contrast to the typical narrative in Sefer Bemidbar, which is thirst relieved, but no gratitude expressed. Here, it seems, the people of Israel have entered a new phase. Not only are they poised to enter the Promised Land, but they are also well-positioned because they finally are mature enough to express their needs in a way which is respectful and to express gratitude to God when those needs are met. And therefore their song at the well, which recalls the song at Yamsuf, is a song that they sing without any prompting. Moshe doesn't lead it, they sing it themselves. And in that song, they express their gratitude not only to God, but to the leaders that have provided for them.